Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the sixth verse, the Bible says in the Amplified, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, the Bible says he has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light of the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty, listen, and glory of God as it is manifested in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. For God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, the Bible says he has shone in our hearts. And the Bible says he has shone in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination, to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and the glory of God as it is manifested in the person and is revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, God who said, let there be light, who commanded the light to be, the Bible says he has shown in our hearts to give the knowledge of his majesty and his glory all which is revealed in the face of Jesus. In other words, when you say Christ, when you say Jesus Christ, you're speaking about the majesty and the glory of God. Say amen. And when you speak about the majesty and the glory of God in the expression of the person of Jesus Christ, the Bible says this same God who said, let there be light and light was. That same God, the Bible says, he has shone in our hearts. And that light is illuminating the knowledge of the majesty and glory of our God in the face of Jesus. In other words, there is a light which is shining in every believer that sets forth the majesty and glory of God. You are an illuminator of the majesty and the glory of God. If somebody say, I want to understand what the glory of God is, they just need to come in contact with you. Somebody shout hallelujah. They just need to know your name. They just need to receive your address. They just need to come in contact with you. If somebody needs to know the glory of God, there you are. If somebody wants to know the majesty of God, there you are. If you believe it, shout amen. Yes, I'm a carrier of the glory of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. The days have come when men say, show us your glory, and then we appear. <laughs> Woo! I say the days have come when men say, show us your glory. And then we just come in appearance. And they say, there goes the glory of God. There goes the majesty of the divine nature. There goes the spiritual DNA of God. There goes the genealogy of the life of God. He's resident in that man. He's resident in that woman. Do you believe it? Shout amen. Shout amen. Somebody say, I'm a carrier of the glory of God. And his majesty. Now. The next verse says. However. However. That means that there is an intended. 
pause there to help us get another point, a very important one, which I want to establish our teaching over tonight. He said, however, he said, we possess this precious treasure. Which is that precious treasure? He calls it the divine light of the glory of the gospel in frail human vessels. That the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. Well, in the first place he said that the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the knowledge, the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is revealed in the face of Jesus. Thank him. However, he said, this light, this glorious light, he said, is in another vessel. Somebody shout amen. He says, this glorious light is in another vessel. It is in a human vessel. It is in a frail vessel. It is in a vessel of weakness. It is in a vessel of men. Somebody shout hallelujah. This frail vessel. He says this treasure. However, this treasure, this particular treasure is in an earthen vessel. That was true if you did not have a body. And it is still true when you have a body. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now he says, yes, you have this light in you. You have this light in you. However, it is in an earthen vessel. It's in clay. It's in a weaker vessel. The Greek word is astrokinos. Astrokinos means it is weak and frail. It is in a body. It is in a container. It is in a vessel that is weak and frail. It is in a vessel that carries weakness. It is in a vessel that is weak. It is in a vessel that is frail. And then you say, you know, but God, why would you get such power and put it in a frail vessel? And he says that the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown from God and not of ourselves. That is the only reason why this treasure is in another vessel. Did you understand what I just said? This is so deep. Did you understand what I just said? He said, Without the body, you are still a spirit. You are still a child of God with a full account of this identity. And he says, and that spirit carries a light. And that light is for the knowledge of the illumination of the glory and majesty of God. And he says, but he gets this particular spirit and put it in an earthen vessel, in a weak vessel, in an atmosphere of weakness. In an atmosphere of failure, in an atmosphere of disappointment, in an atmosphere of corruption, in an atmosphere of pain, in an atmosphere of distress, in an atmosphere of testation, in an atmosphere of trial, in an atmosphere of temptation, in an atmosphere of, of travail, in an atmosphere of every ugly thing there is. He says that the exceeding greatness of power might be shown to be of God and not of ourselves. In other words, in the simplest language grammar, I have given you a certain life. And that life is to display my glory and my majesty. But I've put it in a weak, in, a, in an area, in an atmosphere of weakness. I've allowed weakness around you that it might seem and appear to all men that indeed this power is not of you but of me. 
Who has understood what I just said? And because we were born into this world, we were born into a fallen world. Some people don't know or don't understand that the reason why we are tested, we are troubled, we go through the pain and trials, we go through the sicknesses and tumults that are surrounding us, it is because we were born in a corrupted world. This world has been corrupted by the devil, by the prince of this world. At the fall of Satan and his courts, a third of the angelics of heaven, when they came here, they made tohu vabohu. They made an emptiness and wastedness. That is why the Bible says that the earth was without form. It was void. It was wasted. God does not create waste. God does not exist in waste. He doesn't work with waste. He works with beauty. He is the master of creation. He knows the art. He is the form of it. He has the mind of everything beautiful. For all beautiful things are of him. The Bible says he makes all things what? Beautiful. Are you hearing me? But Satan changed the course of this world and put pain, put sickness, put tumult, put testations, put poverty, put disease, put war, put evil, put hatred, put all of these things. And when you were in your mother's womb, you were in a different world as well. Even though your mom was in this world, in the womb, you were in a different world. And the day you were born, like the Bible says, for I was begotten in iniquity. I was born into an evil world. I was born into an evil system. I was born into things that quite are not ordained in the order of how God should have wanted me to be born. But anyway, we were born there. And then the world is full of trouble. And then God starts to create a life for you. And through this person of Jesus Christ, he gives you salvation. But in the coming of salvation, he gives you life. And when he gives you life, you are a believer. You are strong. You have a relationship with him. You are born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. And then you have obtained precious promises by which you receive hope and you are consoled in the inside of you that you are not alone. And then you're reminded of everything that has been given to you that pertains to life and godliness. And then you're reminded of the blessing with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And all things are yours and amen to the glory of God. And Everything, all these promises are there for you. That you might be a partaker, the Bible says, of the divine nature. So the Bible says, and then you wake up tomorrow. Even under this relationship that you have, certain things start surrounding you that remind you that you are an unearthen vessel. You're connected to many things that are surrounding and touching the earth. Remember. Remember. That in Genesis 2.7, when the Bible says, and God said, let us now form man out of dust. And the Bible says, he formed man out of dust. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And that man became a living soul. Don't forget that God created that man out of dust. That's the earthen vessel. And that earthen vessel sort of has things that seek in the earth to connect themselves to eat. So because the earth is a disturbed, is a disrupted and fallen nature, it seeks to connect to the nature of the man which has been formed out of dust. And that is the earthen vessel. For he says, whoever is born of the earth is earthly. 
Whoever is of the earth is earthly. In other words, they are alluded to things inclining to them according to the nature of what they are born into. Everything in the earth is connected to each other. That is why the Bible speaks of how creation was subject to bondage against itself. In other words, everything that touches the earth, even this body, the flesh, because it was molded out of dust, it sort of has inclinations to the ways of the things that are connected to this world and the evil there is. That is why sin is in the flesh. Because the flesh is connected to the earth and the earth is of a fallen nature. It is destroyed, distracted, and led on by the devil, the prince of this world. Are you following what I'm saying? And that is true for the man outside. For flesh and blood, the Bible says, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why can flesh and blood not inherit the kingdom of God? Because it is not of the kingdom of God. It's not of the nature of the realm of heaven. Somebody shout amen. But then you get born again. And when you get born again, you take on another form in the inside. Yes, you walk like them, but you're not them. Yes, you talk like them, but you're not them. Yes, you dress like them, but you're not them. You got the same workplaces with them, but you're not them. You go in the same businesses with them, but you're not them. You sit in the same classrooms with them, but you're not them. You sit on the same flights with them, but you're not them. And listen, when trouble comes, as it attacks them, it's not the way it attacks you. Somebody shout hallelujah. But sometimes things can hit us and then we start feeling carnal. We start speaking the way of the fallen nature. David went through stuff in Psalms 10 verse 1. And then trouble was around him as the psalmist says. And the Bible says, why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hardest thou thyself in the times of trouble? This was a man with the heart of God. A man after God's own heart. But then something switched him into a carnal nature. You know, not everything you read is for your application. You know, some people think that everything they read is for the application. A new creation goes in Psalms 10 verse 1. And then he says, I was praying in Psalms 10 and I saw a situation where God stands afar off from me. And then he hides his face from me in times of trouble. That is exactly me. And then the Bible says to say, Father, why, like some stand, are you hiding your face from me in my time of trouble? Why do you stand afar off? No, listen, whoa, listen. That was David speaking as a man. That was not the truth. Did you hear what I just said? Not everything you read is your free application. And if you learn to study the word, you realize that certain men in scripture express realities from their own heart. Are you hearing me? And then the church uses it as standard of revelation. When Job lost his children and everything, you know why he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And people use that even on funerals. When their own die, he says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now listen, I have told people, the Hebrew has a problem with a permissive and causative clauses. Okay? Causative clauses. So because the Hebrew does not usually have a permissive clause, it usually uses a causative clause. 
And in using the causative clause, it will sound like the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. But in the literal translation, it should be the Lord lets the giving and the Lord lets the taking away. It doesn't mean that he gives and takes away. For the giftings and callings of God, they are without repentance. Hello! They are without repentance. But then how many people say, you know, God gave me and then God took away. Not all that are taken away are taken away by God. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so we can use that as a reality and revelation in the church. And so it's Psalms 10 verse 1. A man was lamenting in ignorance. And then when things started to happen around him, he felt like God was standing afar off. And he felt like God had hid his face away from him in times of trouble. And if I get to a capital, speaking from the carnal, the earthly, the weak, you understand, the frail nature, the clay nature of you. Somebody can say, by the way, it's true. Do you know that sometimes you can go through things and God seems, oh, at least it seems, but it's not so. And then sometimes I hear people with conversations like, I don't know why God hides in times of trouble. But even in some stand, the Bible says in times of trouble, God hides. No, this was a man speaking from the flesh, speaking from the mind of weakness, speaking from the nature that is fallen. He felt like God had left him. He felt it. He felt it. He felt it, but it wasn't so. And in fact, after a while, after many testations, after all the troubles before him, one day in Psalms 54, verse 7, the Bible says, For he has delivered me out of all trouble, and mine eyes have seen his desire upon mine enemies. In other words, I used to think God hides away and stands off. But after experiencing him this long, I've realized he has delivered me from all trouble. I think now we can look back and say, what was I thinking? Because there's a time you go through things and say, have you ever gone through something and you feel like you have come to the end? And then you go through it. And then you look back and say, now on did I pass there too? Did I go over that too? Did I overcome that too? Did I go through that too? And then you remember your silly prayers. In the time when you were in trial, you started telling God, but God, why me? Why am I the one suffering? I'm tired. Why are you working for others? But he was working. You didn't know. You did not know. You did not know. But because you did not know, it does not mean that God was not working. Or because he does not work in your understanding of working, it doesn't mean that his hand has slackened to help you. No, he is still working on you. Somebody shout amen. But sometimes as human beings, we go through situations. We go through things. And you feel like God is no longer with you. Why? He says, because the Lord troubles the wicked. And you're like, ah, I think I'm a wicked one. No, that is not for a believer. <laughs> because no believer can carry the word wicked if they're a true believer. Why? Because they carry the imputed righteousness, which is of God. They're a purchased possession and they are born of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, delivered and abide forever. So they cannot 
be defined in corruption, even though there are tendencies in the flesh that are corruptible, but they cannot be defined as corruption. Because God didn't call a righteous one corrupted. He says, he shall not let his righteous see corruption, neither their souls wrought in hell. Are you following me? But challenges come. And sometimes we tell people, we give them a confidence and we do. But then sometimes our doctrine as preachers is not complete. Because we don't tell them, however, this treasure is in another vessel. I think that's what completes the puzzle. And this is the mistake I see many pastors teach. Instead of helping people understand that the reason why troubles are surrounding you is because this treasure is in an earthen vessel. We tend then to skip that and then try so much to point to the problems that are there and then sort of divert the mind and understanding of our believers to anticipate trouble. Instead of understanding that they have a treasure in an earthen vessel. So trouble comes because you have a Nathan vessel. Trouble does not come because it has to come. Trouble does not come because it must come. Trouble comes because you have an earthen vessel. And if you know how to possess your vessel, Paul says, let every man know how to work. Possess his own vessel. When you know how to possess your own vessel, you can stay out of trouble. Or if it should come, you won't smell it. Somebody shout hallelujah. You'll go through the fire and then people will smell on you and you won't smell any burn. Hallelujah. It ain't mean it won't come. It only means that you will not have consequence over whatever comes. Why? Because the excellence of power will be of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. However, it's in nothing vessel. It's in frailties and weaknesses. And so sometimes... Even in scripture, we see men of faith fleeing away. You saw Elijah running away from Jezebel. He is the Lord's prophet. Be not deceived. He is a man of God. But there's a fleshly part of him that gives over. And he finds himself running away into caves. And God asks him, what are you doing here? He, Elijah, how could you run away from Jezebel? That vessel, the vessel feared. Do you understand what I just said? The human part of him feared. Paul was a man of God, given the grace to lay the foundation of the New Testament. But one time they come looking for him and they have to throw him over a building in a basket. A whole apostle. Do you understand why? Because he has a vessel he has to protect. Marchers. He is the Lord's apostle. He has seen the Lord. He is anointed. And then we start to see places of weakness. So, we go through things. We go through stuff. It's not new that stuff comes. Even the Christ. For the Bible says in Isaiah 53 verses 3, he was despised. The son of God. The Bible says, and rejected and forsaken by men. The Amplified says, he was a man of sorrows and pains. He was acquainted with grief and sickness. Like one of whom men hid their faces. He was despised. We did not appreciate the worth and have any esteem for him. Even the Christ went through that. Why? Because he had the flesh. He went through that. 
And the son of God who knows the plan, who came from God, who is a seed of God, begotten of God, of the son of whom all the fullness of God dwells in him, bodily, which is the head of all principality, who has the life, who is the hope, who is the way, who is the truth, who is the life, and is before the cross. The frail part of him comes out and he says, Father, if it be possible, please take this cup of suffering off me. The son of God. Some saying, it happens. Jesus is supposed to be the hard one. You hearing me? He's supposed to be the hard one. The one who is going to the cross jubilating, clapping. Some men have even died harder. <laughs> but the son of God also shows a sort of weakness in a few minutes. And says, if it be possible. Take this cup of suffering off me. And as the fellow is praying, blood starts dripping out of his own sweat. That means even though as a son of God, he knew the mandate that brought him on the earth. The man of the flesh carried too much sorrow and desired to leave. That's just how much this vessel can sell you. So the Bible says he was tempted in all ways. Hallelujah. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. And for such, the Bible says, he was made the captain of our salvation. Through sufferings. So the Christ went through things and at one point also finds himself praying to go against the will of the Father. That was not Christ praying. That was Jesus. Who understands what I'm saying? Jesus prayed that way. Not the Christ. The Christ knew what was happening. Hallelujah. But Jesus wanted to leave. Jesus wanted to be like any other normal man. Grow up, have children and live a good life. But the Christ could not allow the Jesus. Who understands what I just said? So we have this treasure. But in vessels that are frail. And because the vessels are frail. Everything that touches the frail vessel sometimes starts to define weakness if it's of the earth. And that extends into the challenges we go through. Sicknesses, bondage, poverty, imprisonment, testations, failure, career, marriages, children, and all these kinds of things. Yes, they are of the earthly testations. Yet you carry the treasure. And so I asked God, I said, you must be teaching us something. I've allowed this, that the excellence of power, that grandeur of greatness, will appear enough to be of me and not of you. He didn't say that I've allowed it so you fail. He did not say that I've allowed weaknesses, troubles, diseases, cancer, all this stuff for you to die. No, he says, I've allowed it such that when you go through, people will still say, this was no human being. This was me. That is the end of that communication. The end of that communication is not for you to fail. The end of that communication is that something will happen on your life. And people say, this must be God. Thank God that we have earthen vessels. Thank God that 
about the trials and fear. Paul says we count it all by joy when trials and temptations befall us. For we know, we know, we know. Tell your neighbor, we know. Second Corinthians 4, 17. He says, for our light affliction, our light. The Amplified says momentary affliction. This slight distress of the passing hour. He said, it is ever more and more. He says, abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory. He says, beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations a vast and transcendent glory a blessedness that is never to cease. Hallelujah. Praise God. That means when this stuff comes, it is preparing you. God is raising a generation where you go to a man and they tell you you are fired and you say, Oh, yalla baba. Somebody shout amen, glory to God. Because it is preparing and producing and achieving an everlasting weight of glory. And he says it's beyond measure. That is why I put weakness around you. That I'll be God. That I'll prove strength around you. That is why you have weakness around you. No other reason. Tell your neighbor, no other reason. Tell your neighbor it's weak that it will be God. That is why Paul says, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he knows when I see weakness, God is going to turn up. Tell your neighbor, God is going to turn up. Shout hallelujah. And then I discovered that God is the master of molding greatness in the most broken things. I said he's the master of molding greatness in the most broken things. He says, brethren, consider our calling. Consider our calling. He says, not many of us were wise after the flesh. But that doesn't mean that we do not carry the wisdom which is of God. Yes, our flesh is still struggling. But when you enter inside, there's a deep man there. There's a deep woman there. Somebody shout hallelujah. Not many are mighty. Not many are noble. Outside. But there is something inside. And then I started to study the Bible. And I started to see the Bible full of broken things, broken men, broken situations, broken circumstances, molded into greatness. I read through scripture and I started to see God begin with men at the worst and then he started knitting their destinies. He started knitting their stories. He started writing history with them. He started walking with them and establishing them. But where did he begin from? From weakness. He gets Abraham. He gives him a barren woman. 
20 years barren. 30 years barren. 45 years she's old. 50 past child giving birth. 80. She's barren. And God tells Abraham, begin from there. You understand what I just said? He gets Abraham and tells him, begin from there. Begin your story with a barren woman. And I'm going to make you a father to nations. Just begin with a barren woman. For I know the plans that I have towards you. Plans to make you prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future. That hope, that expected end. Where did the father of nations begin from? A barren woman. And as though that's not enough, he tells him, with your barren womb, go to Canaan. And the Hebrew word for Canaan means a lowly place. So he gives him a barren womb in an unproductive land and tells him, let's dream from here. Oh! He gets to Isaac. He also gives him a barren woman and dry wells and he tells him begin your story from here. He gets to Jacob. He gets him born with reproach. He's called Jacob for he was a supplanter, a trickster, a thief, a mobi. And he tells him begin from here. He runs away because they want to kill him. He enters Laban's household. They give him a fake woman. And God tells him, begin from there. Write a destiny. The boss is a thief. He cheats him in the night. He gets the speckled, the spotted animals, which were supposed to be his pay for the six years of the animals. He hides it away. And God tells the man, begin from here. He has to get almond trees, cut them, put these animals to drink on troughs and met so he can get an inheritance. Why was he cheated? Because God needed to bring a weight of glory. If Laban had paid Jacob, we would have not known a God who produces spotted and speckled animals from animals that are not spotted and speckled simply by looking at trees which are streaked and drinking from Ori katonda, kwe katonda, ori katonda, we ori katonda. Joseph, he's loved and favored. He strips him naked, throws him in a pit, and tell him, Joseph, begin from there. But he does not know that that naked boy in a ditch is going to be governor over Egypt. He gets Job. He loses his children, loses his animals, gets boils on his body, and he tells him, now your ministry, the one which they write about, begins here. He gets a mother and a child. 
separates them and puts the boy on a floating basket. And the destiny of Moses begins floating on water without a mind, without an understanding. But God is aligning that little infant with a great destiny. And later we see that same God sends him back to Egypt and tells him, begin from there. That is God. He raises a prophet Elijah. He brings Jezebel and he says, begin from there. He raises a Noah and tells him a flood is coming. Begin from there. <laughs> Did you understand what I just said? He's righteous and God tells him, hey, by the way, I'm going to flood the earth. I'm going to kill everybody. Begin your story. Somebody shout, amen. amen. He raises a Samson. He raises a Philistine. He raises a David. He brings bears and lions. He tears them up and then he brings a Philistine of Gath. And then he's standing before his boy and he tells him, write your story. He did not wake up to write a story. That day he was taking bread for his own brothers. Some of you, some of you, your destinies are going to change even when you had not woken up to change them. But because there is a DNA inside you, it has prepared you. It has made you ready. It is achieving for your glory that even when that thing stands in front of you, it can only stand in front of you because God knows you have the ability to beat it. For the Bible says he cannot test you beyond that which you are able to bear. And then he gets his disciples after showing them power, showing them the anointing, showing them everything. And the Bible says, and he sent them out without money, without bread. And the Bible says with no pass, he says only carry a sandal and not two coats. When they are ready, the Bible says, he sent them. He says, now you're ready, go. And he asks them, did you lack? But what they don't tell you is how provision came. But the point is that they don't lack. And then the Christ is raised in the flesh. The boy grows up. He works in wisdom and stature and gains favor before man and God and is the son of God. And before we know it, his very own begotten son of his own spirit, nature and his kind, he takes him to the cross and tells him, begin from And the most trying hour of the Christ was on the cross. And as they're nailing him, poor, 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 poor. Because the Christ knows. Because the Christ knows what crucifixion means. He knows what God's mind is over this. When he's on the cross, he says, it is finished. There is no more beyond this. And now I'm going to purchase their eternal salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. Somebody shout amen. Why does Jesus say it is finished? He says it is finished because he knows how the story ends. You only went through it to get out of it. You only suffered it 
because God knew that there was something bigger and greater to reveal through you that the excellence of power might be of God and not of yourselves. Tell your neighbor that thing is not going to kill you. I promise you. What if it killed another Christian? He didn't know. Now you know. You will know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. And that is why when people like that get into places where things are out of line, the things themselves get excited. Because they're seeing saviors. They're seeing help. They're seeing revival. They're seeing reformation. They're seeing answers. They're seeing healing. They're seeing change. They're seeing Isaiah 35 verses 1. The Bible says the wilderness and the dry land. The Bible says they shall be glad for them. For you. Because when you enter a wilderness. You come with a solution for water. Give me the Amplified. He says the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. He says the desert shall rejoice and blossom like the rose and the autumn crocus. Why does the desert blossom? Because the one with life is come. When you enter a desert, the desert starts saying, uh-huh. She has come. He has come. When you enter a dying situation, they say, aha, he is here. When you enter a mortuary, dead bodies say he has come for us. When you enter a dying company, they say, because we have hired you, we shall leave. Somebody shout, amen. The Bible says the desert shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with a joy and singing and the glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The excellence of Mount Carmel and the plain of Sharon, they shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty. Aren't you getting it? Aren't you getting it? He said that that light has come to illuminate the knowledge of the glory and majesty. And now he's here saying that the deserts shall see the majesty and glory and splendor and excellence of our God. Through who? Through the conduits. He got me put me in Uganda and told me begin from there. Hey! That is why I can't leave Uganda. I don't need greener pastures. I have the one that leadeth me besides green pastures. Glory to God. Glory to God. And then he says, verses 3, commandment, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble and tottering knees because you carry the anointing. And he says, said to those who are fearful and hasty hearted, be strong, fear not, behold your God with calm, with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. The Bible says, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. Why? Because you're there. Somebody shout hallelujah. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Why? Because you're here. Then the lame man shall leap like a heart. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing for the joy. For water shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Why? 
because you're here. The burning sun and the mirage shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water in the herd of jackals where they lay resting shall be grass like reeds and rushes and a highway shall be the way. Who is the way? And it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for the redeemed. Yeah, of the redeemed. Hallelujah. The wayfaring men, yes, the simple ones and fools shall not err in it and lose their way. No lion shall be there. No shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk on it and the ransom that the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Tell your neighbor I'm not about to cry. Now I want you to raise your voice and thank God for this word tonight. Just raise your voice and thank God. Raise your voice and thank God. Come on. Raise your voice and talk to God. Come on, I want you to raise your voice and talk to God. I love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. Oh, my days have been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. of God I love your voice you have led me through the fire in the darkest nights you were close like no other I've known you as a father I've known you as a friend Oh, I have lived in the goodness of God. Come on, speak in other tongues. Oh, my 
Sickness is living. Oh, you will. 
upon your life. That the glory of God upon you is about to show up. The majesty, the excellence and splendor of him that called you from darkness into his marvelous light is going to shine on you. His face will shine upon your life. His power will be around everything you touch in the name of Jesus. I decree that your feet are going to be quicker this year than ever before. I decree that to the trouble you've gone through, multiple returns will come and you will look like you never entered it at all in the name of Jesus. I decree and I declare that the wicked and unreasonable are working for your favor. That all things are working together for good because you love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. For because his word cannot fail from the beginning to the end, it has been proved and now it has been sent to you. It cannot return void. It must achieve that which is sent it out to achieve. It works in your family. It works in your marriage. It works in your relationship. It works in your business. It works in your career. It works in your consultancy. It works in your job. It works in your ministry. It works in your body. It works in your vision. It works in the knowledge. It works in your understanding. It works in your house. It works in your village. It works on all that are connected to you. Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody shout amen. Give the Lord a mighty, 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 mighty. Come on, clap for him. Clap for him like you know what he has done. Come on, clap like a believer. Shara Baba. Thank him. Just thank him. Just thank him. Just thank him. Thank him. For all things are working for your good. Hey! Lord, you are you are great. You are great. You are great. You are great. Now Satan cannot understand why in all your problems you're praising God. He doesn't have a clue that it is already finished. You are great. Everything written about you. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing now. It is happening now. When it comes to healing, I just speak. Heal in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing in the mighty name of Jesus. And if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ, there is no greater opportunity you will have like this one. If you're there and you say, you know what, as you were speaking, I felt like I need to have a relationship with the man you're talking about. I need to enter the kingdom of God. I need to leave the flesh and have a spiritual dwelling. So if you're there and you say, you know, I want to receive that God. Repeat these words after me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for today, for my life, for everything that you have done for me. I receive you tonight as my Lord and Savior. I'm born again of you. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International.
For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.